Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. So glad that you've chosen uh, to join me today. We are live on the Grace FM radio network and taking your calls and your questions right now, right here, 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or you can text me directly seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. My name is Ed Taylor. Taking your calls and your questions. If you're listening on the Hope FM radio network, you're listening on Truth FM or a variety of other stations around around the uh, country. We're glad that you joined us. Uh, give me a call. Uh, we'd love to um, be a part of your life today, what God has in store for us. And you never really know which direction the show is going, uh, but I'm always encouraged by what the Lord's doing. And we are ready. So all the technology is running. The Lord is with us. And we are encouraged. 303 690 and seven two oh three three six zero eight nine seven interesting days that we're living in uh, you saw last week Israel signed a, an agreement with the United Arab Emirates and interesting how Ezekiel 38 is lining up uh, I don't know if you knew about Ezekiel 38, but you need to. Uh, there's a couple of verses uh, in Ezekiel 38 that are very relevant to the peace around Israel. Remember, for the rapture of the church to take place, for the great tribulation period to be ushered in, one of the things to look for is is Israel, well, first of all, is, is there a group of people living in Israel known as Israelites? Like, has the nation returned? Has Aliyah been taking place? And the answer is yes. 1948, Israel declared a sovereign nation. Now, of course, that was the declaration of man, uh, but Israel is a sovereign nation in the land by the, by the fiat of God. And and so people have been asking, what's going on? What's going on with the United Arab Emirates? Well, listen to this verse. After many days, you'll be visited. In the latter years, now that gives you an insight of when this is going to take place. When the In the latter years, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which has long been desolate. They were all brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. Interesting. 
dwell safely. And then if you jump to verse 11, you will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. Again, a village without a wall means that they are safe from attack. They're not concerned about attack. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and take booty to stretch your hand against the waste places. And so part of the end times scenario is that Israel will deal or will dwell in safety. Now, there are two ways of viewing this, or there's many ways, of course, you know, whenever you're talking about uh, prophecy, uh, you have, you always have different viewpoints. So there are two different ways of viewing this. One is, is that Israel's never been in a safer position than before, uh, where they are safe and secure, I think is the, one of the ways that that Hebrew word can be, um, can be defined or, you can take that as they are safely, they, they have peace treaties, if you will, with the nations around them, and they deal, dwell in safety. But in, very interesting, the days we live in, isn't it? Very interesting. 303-690-3000 is the number. All right, so here is a great question coming in by text. It says, where is the link on our website for the children's ministry curriculum. Uh, Actually, it says, do you have a link for children's ministry or other children's Bible study? Uh, And so you can link to that directly on uh, on our website. And so you can link to that under the calvaryco.church. And there is a tab at the bottom or under next steps called Calvary Kids. Calvary Kids. So here's the link. CalvaryCO.church slash Calvary-Kids. And it's right under the next steps. Uh, So all of our info, Calvary Youth, Calvary Young Adults, Calvary Kids, how to join a team, men, women, life groups, under next steps, Calvary Kids. And we have curriculum that we post uh, every week. Pastor Michael and his team puts together. And then we have curriculum that is available for... Um, all of the Calvary Chapel, we put up Calvary Chapel curriculum. Um, and so my website is not working properly, but that's only, it's my computer. It's not our website. Uh, so go to calvaryco.church under next steps, Calvary Kids. And I'll send you a link, uh, as well, just so you can get it by text. All right, give me a call, 303-690-3000 is the number, 690-3000. Give me a call, we'll be on the air. Uh, That is the wrong, oh my goodness. Come on, Ed, can you do more than one thing at a time? Let me get you the link and uh, send it off. So give me a call, 303-690. All this curriculum is available to anyone and everyone, it's f- completely 100% free. Uh, we subscribe to a subscription for Calvary Chapel curriculum that we can reuse it for church purposes. Uh, we cannot resell it, nor would we want to, um, but we will use it for church purposes for you, especially around COVID uh, and having to be home for that. 
and um, you know having to have your kids at home, you're homeschooling, you maybe you're looking for some Bible curriculum to do with your kids. Um, so develop it and I mean download it and then develop it into the normal everyday work that you're doing with your kids. 303-690-3000. Hope you're watching uh, the world scene, you know, everything that's going on um, and looking to Jerusalem and Israel as the main uh, insight, like what my friend Joe Rosenberg says, the epicenter of prophecy and... you will you will be able to follow along the time period or what's called the prophetic time clock. I have been posting more and more on my website things related to prophecy. We're actually putting together, I think it's an eight-week study course on understanding the times. Um, and I'm looking at the questions right now of study number one. What does it mean to say the sovereignty of God? When we think of prophecy, we're reminded of the sovereignty of God. Do you really believe God's sovereign in your life? What needs in this world? Your life is the answer contrary to a one world leader. What is needed in this world or your life as the answer that is contrary to one world leader? Can someone waste their trial? That all came from the first Bible study in understanding the times. Uh, and so we're going to be editing these up uh, as well so that we can um, not only make it personally practical, but we also want to make it prophetically important to you. Uh, so we, we're working on those. When we get them, we'll be posting them on edtaylor.com. Or excuse me, don't go to .com. I don't know why I said that. edtaylor.org. edtaylor.org. 303-690-3000. All right, we got a question via text. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 17, or excuse me, chapter 7, verse 14, it says, if this is a reference to Jesus, why does it say if he commits iniquity? Uh, and so we have a, pro a prophetic insight to the future. Um, when Nathan is talking to David, and Nathan is talking to David, and he says, when your days are fulfilled, you'll rest with your fathers. I'll set up your seed after you, who will come from your body. I'll establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He will be my son. If he commits iniquity, I'll chasten him with the rod of men, but my mercy shall not depart from him. Uh, the the kingdom the the prophecy or the statement here is in reference to Solomon. He's encouraging David about the kingdom uh, coming, and you say, well, then how is Solomon's kingdom eternal? Well, it's found eternal through the kingdom set up by Jesus Christ. So it becomes a picture and a type of the coming kingdom, but it is not a reference to Jesus Christ. Uh, it is a reference to Solomon as Nathan is speaking uh, directly to David there. So great question. Thank you. 303 690 
Can you explain the born-again passage between Jesus and Nicodemus? Is being born again a change of heart immediate or ongoing? Is Jesus talking of baptism, water, or the Spirit? That is a great question. I like how you broke out the different nuances of that. We come to this particular question uh, from the text in John chapter 3. I was just mentioning this not too long ago with our own church family, that we can thank Nicodemus for asking good questions and not being afraid to ask good questions because it was an answer to these good questions that Jesus Christ gives us insight to the only real source of the only real source of eternal life. Uh, It is eternal life that comes from God and God alone. And he also, so we have that phrase from him, right? John 3, 3, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus takes that passage and asks a very clarifying question, uh, or not, it's a passage to us, but it's a statement to him. And he has a very strong clarifying question. How can we be born when, how can a man be born when he's old? So he took it in the physical realm. Uh, and he says, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. How can I um, be born? How can I go back into my mother's womb? Which obviously, how, he says, can a man sinner enter a second time into his mother's womb? Then Jesus answers, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, your question about water is, is that water baptism? It is not. It is not a reference to water baptism. He's actually talking about the two types of birth, the physical and the spiritual. So he answers Nicodemus, no, you've already come out of your womb, the womb of your mother once. You've been born of water. You know, you've come out of the womb. The water, your mother's water has broken and you were born physically, but you also need to be born spiritually. Those two are, you just being born once does not get a person into heaven. You need to be born twice, one physical and one spiritual. And literally, the phrase means to be born from above. Uh, It means to have life that comes from the inside. It has to do with new life. And water has to do, I believe, with the physical birth. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of other things that you can speak here because um, there is not just the natural birthing process, um, but there's also the symbolism of water in the scriptures. There's a possibility that water here represents a cleansing and a changing, a spiritual cleansing in Nicodemus' life. Um, you know, Jesus used water with the woman at the well. Uh, Jesus used water, uh, speaking in John chapter 7 about the living waters. So there's a lot of different views on this. It's definitely not water baptism. Uh, And then the question is, is this an immediate change of heart or is it ongoing? The answer to that is both, both. And this is where you get into some deep theological discussions where it comes to that immediate change and that ongoing change. I see the phone lines are full, so I'll get to the phone lines in just a moment. Um, But there are three aspects of salvation. There is justification. That is the moment a person is born again. There is sanctification. That's the ongoing change in a person's life. And then finally, there's glorification, where you are perfectly 
uh, changed in the image of Christ in his presence. So you have a moment in time, you have a process, and then you have um, you have a future finished work. So salvation is saved in the from the past and the present and the future. Uh, I don't have time to develop that for you, uh, but you can go to our website. I taught on this in depth in the book of Romans, justification, glorif- uh, sanctification, glorification. You could just look, go into the messages, put in the search bar, those words, justification, sanctification, glorification, and we went in depth in that. Oh, I love that. was a great question through text. Thanks for texting it in. 303-690-3002, Aurora, Colorado. Mike is on the line. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, 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 thank you. I need some help here trying to be a witness insofar as uh, trying to get some scripture on homosexuality. Okay. So I'm going to recommend to you okay. uh, that you go to our website, okay. and you go to our messages and in the search bar, put in the word homosexuality or just homosexual, and it will pull up quite a few resources on Bible studies that we have. And also email me, okay. and I will send you some links to resources um, that I have archived just for times like this. And so I want you to think of it this way. We want to equip you with the right information, but then we also I also want to help you with the specific situation, can you so you can you describe that for me? Well, basically, you know, in witnessing to others, um, some some believe that uh, homosexuals uh, that homosexuality itself is condoned by God, and I don't have an answer to give because I don't know where to look in the Bible to confront that. So that's basically what I'm trying to figure out is uh, some. Okay knowledge uh, so there's quite a bit there's a quite a bit to learn on Mm -hmm. this because the bible couldn't be clearer Mm -hmm. um let me give you one verse right away the bible just couldn't be clear on this topic in first corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 it says do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not do not be deceived neither fornicators that would be sex outside of marriage Mm -hmm. any kind of sex outside of marriage idolaters Adulterers, that's illicit sex from um, within, like a married couple committing sexual sin outside of the marriage, right? Fornica- fornications for people that aren't married, uh, adulteries for people that are married, mm-hmm. sexual sin. Right. And then he says in the same category, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Mm-hmm. And the Bible couldn't be clearer that this behavior is is sinful, mm-hmm. Um the problem is, is that we live in a culture today that doesn't start with the Bible uh, and doesn't like the Bible at all, but doesn't start with the Bible. It actually starts with the peer pressure of the culture and a redefining of God's original order with Adam and Eve. Uh, God's original order for marriage and for sex is one man, one woman, one lifetime. Mm-hmm. And that that's how he created us. There's just no other way around that. Sure. Um, that and because of but, but because we live in such a hostile culture and it's become you know a real societal issue, uh, a real popular get on the bandwagon type of thing, so that we can um, you know be tolerant and they've started to erode the clear boundaries that God created. Right. 
And, and so that one verse alone, now, of course, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of debate, a lot of nuance, depending on the person that you're talking to. Most of the time, the person that you're talking to is not a militant political person. They're just wanting to live their life. Mm-hmm. They, they might be confused. They might be confident. Uh, but they just, they, they just want a relationship like anyone else. They just want to live their life. They want to love another person. They want to be loved by another person. It, it usually isn't the militant t- type at all. They're miscarried, you know, the militant portion of it, kind of like Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. You get the, the wackos on TV. That doesn't represent every Christian. Right. Um, and so those that are more militant does, really don't represent most people that are dabbling in this kind of behavior, the not only homosexuality, but lesbianism and transgenderism and, and you know, all the kinds of, I, I, I know I was born with male body parts, but I want to identify as a female. Most of the time, most of the time, if, if we can gain, if, if we can love the person behind the sin, if we can just ignore the sin for a moment, and I don't mean ignore it like God doesn't ignore it, but just step aside you know, step aside or, or like come to a place where we are trusted, then at least we'll be heard. But instead, it's so easy to just, you know, look what you're doing, you're a sin, you're, and, and, you know, you never build a bridge, you never express love. You're more concerned about getting your point across instead of really ministering to someone and planting a seed or watering a seed. And so most of the time when you come to this, you know, they might just say, well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, well, why don't you believe the Bible? And I'll tell you, most of the time it's been misrepresented. Um, they might have grown up in some legalistic household. There's a lot of reasons. Um, it would be the same. And this is what's what's grieving to me, uh, Mike. What, what really bothers me as a pastor is people are more careful with idolatry, fornicators, than they are with homosexuals. You know, they're more careful with an adulterer and more sensitive to that than they are to someone that's caught up in the sin of homosexuality. But the reality is, is that God loves them all. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sure, you bet. Yeah. And so I want to build a bridge with them so I can share with them, what, why is it that you've chosen this? Do you, do you care about what, you know, another question that's important is, do you care about what God has to say about sex? Mm-hmm. Right? I don't even have to go to homosexuality first. I can, I can say, do you care about what God has to say about sex? Mm-hmm. And... And start there. And for me personally, although this isn't my particular sin, I've never engaged in this, never had a problem with it. I was a rampant fornicator. Like I was in very big sin. Um, and so I don't speak down to people. Like I don't speak down. Like like I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the damage it did in my life. I, I know the hurt that it brought to people. I mean, I ended up getting my girlfriend pregnant, and I remember seeing the pain on her mom's face when we had to tell. I, it's horrific. It's painful. It's hurtful, and and if I can make a, if I can relate, then the more the more someone will trust me, the more that I'll be able to, the more that I'll be able to connect with them sure. with the truth. Sure. And, and as far as in, in my own struggles with lust as a, yeah. a straight man. Uh, it's it's easy to relate to sexual sin because I believe as a believer that even lust in your heart um, for another woman and I'm married uh, is a sin and it's very difficult at times not to have that lust. Um, so it, it's it's somewhat I don't know how to say this 
easy to relate to the struggles that people have with sex because it's it's a huge struggle for many, yeah. It is, and I think if we approach it that way, you know, we some people think that might be watering down the gospel or but I don't think so at all. I think right. that I think the reality is is that hey, I, uh, you know, maybe you kind of view it as a knife fight, right? And you got to knock the knife out of their hands. Yeah. No, you just got to learn how to how to talk them out of it. Like right. it's not a knife, it's it's a it's a soul. Mm-hmm. And and if if <clears throat> I can relate to then I think another mistake that's made oftentimes is is somebody feels so frustrated that 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 the person walks away not agreeing with you. And you're like, but this is the truth, and I, right. and it, 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 but it is the truth. But we got to remember that we're some are planting, some are watering, but only God gives the increase. So let's just do our role and plant and water and see what God wants to do. Yeah, yeah, true, true, honest. Yeah, that's awesome. But I have some, I got some great links. Especially okay. we had a brother and his parents here not too long ago. His name is Christopher Yuan. And he was a backslidden um, man living in um, a raging homosexual life. And I have some resources here that, that, again, if this is an area of ministry for you, these are great. He was not only his teachings at our church, but also the books and the resources that he made available to us. Okay. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much. May I ask one more small question? I've been listening to your teaching, uh, Daniel. Um, yes. About the end times, and you say subscribe to some Israeli newspapers on Twitter. Do you have yes. any of those names off the top of your head uh, of the newspapers? Yes. I, I, well, the newspapers, you can go. I've got it. What kind of phone do you have? It's an Android. Yeah, I'm sorry. I well, can't I'm help g- you then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because I remember you were talking about that one at church in a. In a, in a Okay, first of all, I've got this app, and let's see uh-huh. if it's on your on the Android platform. I bet it is. Okay. Um, it's called uh, uh, it's just called Israel News, Israel. and it's a it's a uh, what do you call it a um, con- uh, a comp- compilation of all kinds of news sources, and so uh-huh. it's all kinds of news. It's not specifically prophetic. Um, but all kinds of news. I would suggest that. I look at it almost every day. Like here, I just open it up. There's an LGBT pride banner vandalized in several cities in Israel. And then there's John Kerry. Um, and you have to be careful because most of the news, similarly in the West, uh, here is liberal. So yes, politically, you just got to... The reason I love to read it is not only does it keep me up on current events, but it gives me an idea of the environment politically. Because, you know, Israel is not a religious nation. It's a secular nation, right? And just like God predicted, so Israel News. It's a little blue. I, I can't. I don't know the name of. Uh, I can't see the name of the actual people that put it together. But I think they put a lot. Of, it's called News Fusion. It's a News Fusion app. Okay, gotcha. News. And and it's just and they got a bunch of them, but I use the one in Israel. And then on Twitter, I would suggest that you follow a man by the name of Joel Rosenberg. And yeah, with the ERG, and then uh, and the other guy I'd ask you, I suggest you follow is Amir A M I R, Mm -hmm. and then his last name I think is T S A F A T I. F A T I. Yeah, let me just check. Let me, but. once you get in that stream, you start seeing different posts by them, and then you you start clicking and go, oh, that's a new source I think would be worth uh, me following. And 
right away. Let's, okay, let me. I don't think that was the right. Okay, I spelled his name wrong. Actually, just look up Behold Israel, and Amir's Twitter will come up. Behold Israel. Okay, cool. I'll do that. Those would be good beginnings. Excellent. All right, man. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Take care. Yep. We're praying for you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Take care. Bye now. 303-690-3000. Let's see. We've got people on the phone line, so let's go back to... Thornton, Colorado. Roberta, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Oh, we hear the music. I didn't even pay attention to the time. Stick around. I'm sorry. I didn't see that. Stick around. I'll take you first right out of the gate. We'll put you back on hold. You hear the music. We'll be right back in two minutes. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to uh, Calvary Live. I'm uh, No introductory remarks. I'm going to get right back to the phone lines and we're going to bring Roberta back from Thornton. Roberta, welcome back. Sorry, I didn't hear the music at all. My fault. Yeah, that's all right. I just wanted to call and thank you. Um, I called last week, and you took my call uh, for prayers uh, yes. for a, a friend who was um, got involved in an extramarital affair, but then did finally divorce her husband, and then was involved in fornication with his new boyfriend. And and anyway, you prayed. You prayed, and I, I think your listeners prayed. And it was just a miracle because she emailed me and she said the very words you said in your prayer. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't have, I couldn't even believe she said it. She said, "I realize God does not bless sin." She just said it right out like that. And, I, <laughs> and she said, "So they are gonna try to be celibate until they get married." Uh, wow. But I just wondered, and then I think your previous caller that you addressed. Um, you know, as I work toward rebuilding a relationship with her, you know, I wondered, do I just, the divorce is final now. I guess you can't go back. I mean, do I just move forward and love her and keep encouraging her? And I mean, you know, uh, I, I do. I, 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 th- I think you sort of answered that with the last caller. Yeah, I think you live in the moment. You know, I think you live in the moment and you minister to someone that has failure in their life. Uh, you minister to someone who has to deal with the repercussions and consequence of sin. Um, but, you know, it's like anything. We don't make the sin the primary way that we connect with someone. There's so much more to a person right. than their behavior. And uh, I would be I would be the good friend and I would be the good help. And, you know, a good friend speaks the truth in love. A good friend listens. I would I would be a good friend. I would be um, I would just pray that God would help me to be friend, uh, be a better friend. Okay, well, thank you. And um, do you have time, or do you? I had one theological question. Sure, I have time. Okay, um, it's the scripture that says every uh, knee will bow and every tongue confess God that Jesus is Lord. And our pastor in his sermon last Sunday said, "Well, that will happen, but um, some will still be um, sentenced to hell, and some will go to heaven." And I thought. I wondered if there were scriptures that support 
Um, because, it, you know, that, that you'd have to read into that to get that out of that. You would think if every knee bows and every tongue confesses that everyone's accepting Jesus as Lord, but that wasn't the way he spun it in his sermon, so it made me think. And then I Googled it, and it came up about, so there's some, even though they confess with their mouth, they're still rebellious in their heart, and they will go to hell. So I just wondered if there's a scripture that I could go through that clarifies that. Yeah, well, where the, the scripture I think that, that he's referring to actually clarifies it for us within the scripture. So notice what it says. This is Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. And he's speaking of Jesus where the Holy Spirit writes through Paul, Therefore God also highly exalted him and has given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And now he gives the categories of people. You ready? First of all, those that are in heaven. That makes sense. Second mm-hmm. of all, those that are on earth. And then third, those that are under the earth. What do you think that's a reference to? Um, I, the people that have died and are buried in the ground. Yeah, I think it, I think it would actually be those that would categorize themselves in opposition to heaven. Uh, you have those in heaven, that's high. You have those on earth. That's on the earth, and then those under the earth, I think, is a reference to hell. I think that's a reference to those that are separated from God. Um, And as every tongue is confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father doesn't mean that everybody's saved. It means that you and I have the opportunity, um, we have the opportunity to bow the knee now and know that um, our bowing of the knees will assure assure us uh, eternal life, but after death, the bowing of the knee, those will. The, it's like those that had their chance but didn't are still going to bow, and they're going to acknowledge that Jesus is Christ is Lord. They're just not going to enjoy any of the benefits. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Well, thank you. That's clear. Um, fantastic. Thanks for your question. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you again. All right, bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, let me get a one. Let's see. We got somebody on the phone. Let's take a call. Roy in Aurora. Roy, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hi. Um, so my question is, I was listening, not name-dropping necessarily for any purpose other than who it is, um, that said this, uh, John Duranty was talking about uh, in Genesis where the Nephilim uh, perish in the flood, but then he said he thinks that there's scripture that supports the Nephilim after the flood. There is actually in Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, it says there are giants on the earth in those days and also afterward. So then, so then any reference to giants is going to be uh, Nephilim. Yeah, so you've got, you've got a couple of views here. So you've got the, the um, you have a traditional view that these were men of renown. They, they, weren't, um, they weren't the product of demonic, um, weird 
sexual activity. Um, and then there's the view of the weird demonic sexual activity that demons came into the, um, that, that they procreated somehow with women. Um, I personally have a hard time with that view. I understand it, but I have a hard time with that view. But if you held to that view, then you would say that after the flood, that that happened again, but probably to a lesser degree because God never destroyed the earth by a flood ever again. So it wasn't as bad as before. And then the, somebody might ask, well, if it did happen again, then why isn't it as bad as the flood? And I think that it's, or, or, or even this, can it happen today? And it seems that it cannot happen today. Um, and so we don't know when it ended exactly, but it, according to Jude, there were angels that didn't keep their proper domain and they've been chained in darkness for the great day of judgment. So if there was a particular set of demons that, 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 that did this sin, then they're chained in darkness right now and can't hold. So either way, um, giants, like you said, could refer back to the, to the Nephilim in some way, or if you hold to the view with demonic activity, then it probably happened again after the flood because demons weren't destroyed by the flood. On the idea that there were Nephilim after the flood, then where are they? Did they cease to continue? That's where the Bible doesn't speak. Um, I I would think because they're human, the Bible says it's appointed once for a man to die, and then the judgment that they died. I don't think you can procreate. Um, I, I don't. I don't personally subscribe to that demonic view. I know it's not a popular, I know I'm kind of going against the, the grain a little bit, but I don't subscribe to it personally. Okay. Yeah, I've just, I've heard so many different opinions um, on that particular topic, so I, I wanted your take on it. Uh, let me give you a, a broader take on it. Let me, let me just give you a broader take on it. So we, we've got We've got the beginning in chapter six, which is troubling, and it's okay either side. Um, either side is an, is can fit within the pale of this particular scripture. Either side can um, either side can be built upon this text in Genesis six. But I think the the problem, many of the problems we have with the debatable passages, because this would be one of them, is we miss bigger things. Right, we if you and I just argue all the time, we may miss the bigger thing that's right in front of us, right? Because we're just so all beat up, we're going to argue and make a big deal. And one of the things that we miss is right here in verse eight. It's at the end of the paragraph. It says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So whatever's going on, there's a contrast, and we find that God is looking for people to show grace even in the midst of great difficulty. Then we have the rest of the whole chapter, right? The building of the ark, the faithfulness of God, the faith of Noah. This is why of all the things Noah did in his life, this is what helped him make it into the into the hall of faith was his faith, this building of the ark. Um, and, you know, so the last two verses, the first verse in verse eight is the last verse of the paragraph, at least in the New King James, and then the last verse of the chapter, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. So the first mention of grace is toward uh, Noah uh, in the Bible, and and also you have grace automatically connected with obedience. 
Uh, and and there's just such a rich chapter that so often we lose because of that demonic, whatever was going on in the beginning of chapter six, it was weird and it caused God to regret making man. I mean, it caused him to to look at it and just like, oh man. Now, don't think of regret in the sense like you and I experience it. It wasn't a surprise to God, but from man's perspective, it appeared as a surprise to God. So the very first mention of grace is in this chapter. And how often do you hear that emphasized when it comes to the Nephilim? So from now on, anytime the Nephilim come up, take people to verse eight and go, you know what? I got something better for you. I got something greater for you. I've got something more glorious for you. Did you know that in that section, right where the Nephilim are mentioned, is the first time grace is mentioned in all the Bible? Let me go back. I taught Genesis a long time ago. I wonder if I held to the different view back then. So let me just check. You know, because when you're so to to speak on behalf of Jonathan, you know, or even me, when you're teaching through the Bible verse by verse, you've got to you got to handle everything, right? You got to you've got to handle everything each verse and and so uh let me see. So I gave all the different views and the view um, I pretty much do the same thing. I give you all the views, and I just so I taught Genesis in 2001. Um, you were probably a kid back then, 2001, and I basically just gave that exactly what I gave to you, except I didn't emphasize grace as much till later. But I said, hey, here are the views, but here's the point: sin was abounding on the earth, and that's basically how I handled it. Yeah, and that's 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 been pretty much my view. Um, I just happened to hear that that uh, study on it, and uh, I said, "Well, tomorrow I'm going to have that pastor." <laughs> yeah, it's so good, you know. And that's that's the thing. Uh, Genesis six verse four does imply. Now, I guess I, I I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I bet I guess you could look at the Hebrew, and maybe afterward doesn't necessarily mean after the flood. But I haven't looked at it that in depth. Here, while we're on the here, let me. Let me look. I have a resource here. Oh, it's not open. Uh, if you email me, I'll look real quick um, and look at a resource. I've got a literal translation that helps me sometimes, and I can look at it later and then respond to your email. Okay. You just email me. Remind me of this conversation, and I'll look up that that word afterward and see if there's any emphasis on the context being after the flood or just after this was written. Or, you know, who knows? Well, Moses wrote it after the flood anyway, so probably just thinking out loud, it probably means after the flood. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, man. All right. God bless well, you. Thank you very much, Patrick. All right. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. So just that little discussion there is how I study. I'm like, wow, well, I wonder what this says. I wonder, maybe it says this. Uh, um, and I just, I don't talk out loud, though but I do sit here with my headphones on. I have the noise cancellation feature on and I'm just zoomed in thinking, thinking, thinking and asking questions. And by the way, that is the pathway of inductive Bible study. We just, most of the answers that we give here 
because we've all been trained in the inductive Bible study method, uh, is we observe the text, and that includes the context, right? Before and after. Then we ask questions of the text. And in the answer to our questions, the interpretive questions, for example, does afterward mean after the flood or just after a time period or something. So, you know, as you're looking at that, you're looking for the answer within the context. You don't go, you don't go anywhere else um, until you get the answer within the context. And once you get the answer in the context, then you can start comparing to other verses. And that, that, so as I'm talking out loud, I'm actually in my mind. And of course, out loud, um, we are uh, asking questions of the excuse me, of the text. And then through our answers, we are giving opportunity to come to the point of what was the intended message that was written to the audience at the time. Then we can apply it to today. So what does the Bible say? What does it mean? What does it mean to us today? Most people or many people or some pastors or many pastors start with the last question first. Uh, What does the Bible mean to me? And you can't really do that out of the gate. You've got to find out what was the intention, what was the specific. It's a lot of the debate, right, on the Constitution of the United States. You have uh, constitutional literalists. So when you hear that phrase, if you are in the political realm, uh, they hold to the same view that we do as taking the Bible literally. It, It means what it says as the founding fathers wrote it to the audience of the country. It doesn't mean what you think it means today, a couple hundred years later. You can't make it mean something different than the founders intended. Now, of course, people do make it something else, but that is not being faithful. They don't treat their bank account like that. They don't treat the stop signs like that. They don't treat their, you know, the politicians, they don't treat their contracts that way. You know, if they've got a contract for a book and they're promised a million dollar advance, they don't let the book company say, well, you know, a million dollars meant something back then, but we kind of mean it now. So we're going to reinterpret it. No, they get a lawyer, they sue, they want the million bucks. And so a constitutional literalist uh, in today's culture, like in the U.S., would be similar to a biblical literalist where we have to understand what it meant when it was written to the intended audience. Only then can we apply it to our lives today by extension with no other way? And if you don't take the Bible literally, then it's going to be super confusing. It's going to not make any sense at all. Uh, you, If you don't understand what the Bible, what God meant when he wrote it, then you're just going to make it up today. And the Bible predicts that. Uh, the Bible predicts that there'll be people that uh, make um, a God of themselves. You know, they, God's going to let them make up a God, little g. Before I get back to the phone lines, I want to deal with this question really quickly. It's unfortunate that it's a text question because I'd like to talk about it, but it says, curious about our cessationism versus continuationism. I was raised in the Reformed Church and after rebelling, found myself brought to a charismatic-based set of beliefs. So we at Calvary Chapel are continuationists. And what that means simply is that we believe all the spiritual gifts uh, continue on today as they did for every generation of believer. For a cessationist, 
they you could even call that partial continualism because a cessationist believes only a couple of the gifts don't exist today, but all the rest do. Primarily, they believe that tongues, the interpretation in tongues, and trying to take prophecy as, with an Old Testament definition to it don't exist today. And they there's only one passage in the New Testament that could possibly in any way support continuationism, or excuse me, cessationism. Only one, and it's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. Uh, let me... Let me pull it up here. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13. And he talks about love in 1 Corinthians 13. And then it says in verse 8, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is, ah, better get this one, knowledge it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. And the key interpretive uh, part to this text is when that which is perfect has come. The cessationists, they define perfect as the Bible. Once we've got the Bible, Somewhere They can't really pinpoint it, but when the canon of Scripture was settled, then we don't need these gifts anymore. But there's no way whatsoever the Bible is mentioned in any—the Bible as, it, as we know it, the, the, not necessarily the word Bible, but the fullness. The, the Bible wasn't even finished writing yet at this time. It, was, it, wasn't, being, it wasn't even completed yet. Another 30 years before it's going to be completed. But that which is perfect— and I do believe the Bible is perfect. Don't misunderstand me. It's the perfect word of God. It's the complete word of God, which this Greek word could also refer to. However, there's no contextual at all referring to a collection of written scriptures at all. No, the, the summary, I believe, of that which was perfect has to do with the coming of Jesus Christ. Now we see in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know. When shall I know? When that which is perfect has come. Well, how shall I know? Just as I'm also known. I believe this is the coming of the Lord. When you and I are face to face with Jesus Christ, you won't need prophecies. You won't need tongues. You won't need knowledge. Now, there is a fanciful, this is gnosko, this knowledge means to understand, to understand in relationship to um, experience, knowledge. Um, it's not epi- epinosis, which is a p- precise knowledge, but this is knowledge by experience, you know, like uh, intuitive knowledge. It's not oida. Well, there's three. Oida, intuitiveness, gnosko by experience. Um, you know, it's, it's not full um, and it's not epinosis, the fullness of knowledge. And the idea that knowledge will cease, most cessationists explain that word around, like, well, you know, it's 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 different kind of knowledge or whatever. I, I don't I, it's been a while since I've looked at that particular argument, but um, the context of this passage cannot 
at all refer to the Bible. It just doesn't, there's nowhere in there. We aren't, we do not know perfectly just because we have the Bible. We do not, we have the full canon of scripture. And today I do not know as I am known. I do not know. I have limited knowledge. God's ways are not my ways. When will I know, even as I'm known, when I see him face to face? Because right now we're just seeing in a mirror, it's dim. It's not clear. But then, and I don't think Paul had in his mind to his original audience, it's nowhere in the text here. He just keeps telling them, keep keep exercising, keep exercising, keep exercising the gifts. Don't stop it. Keep doing it. Um He's contrasting how they exercise with, and, and they played such an emphasis on tongues in Corinth. They played such an emphasis on special knowledge, just like the Gnostics. They played special, special emphasis on the prophetic word. And some of the groups today do the same thing. But Paul says, no, 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 the greatest is love. And then he says, then he says in chapter 14, instead of going, get used to note the gifts, just get used to them. The Bible's on the way. Don't, don't exercise them anymore. No, that's not what he teaches. As a matter of fact, he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Interesting. Love never fails, but prophecies are going to fail. But then in 14 verse 1, hey, you should prophesy. You should speak in a tongue. Um, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Personal prayer language. No one understands him. But in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation. It's like, man, act in love for the church. Exercise tongues at home, but in the church, prophesy, speak forth the word of God. And then he talks about, you know, how is it going to be profit if I speak in tongues in the larger setting? That's really the essence, how they exercise them. And so continuationism says all of these are available today, and we at Calvary Chapel believe that. However, we're not hyper-charismatic. Um, we're not hyper-conservative, and we're not hyper-charismatic. And we're, we're, we're somewhere in the middle. We, we, want th- we believe things should be done decently in order. We are Bible literalists, so we want to apply the Bible to our gatherings. At Calvary Chapel, you're not going to have some 10,000 people stand up and speak in tongues together. Um, we're not going to have... Um, you know, a prophesying section and blowing in the spirit and laughing in the spirit and things that are extra or even anti-biblical. And so I did a series, I know you're on text, so hopefully you're still tuned in, but I did a series, it's on our app and it's on our website on uh, regarding spiritual gifts. I, we took you through Romans and Corinthians and I explained this in depth uh, and then looked at each spiritual gift. Because I happen to come from a school of thought that I believe there are only seven primary spiritual gifts, the ones given to us in Romans. And then you have the manifestations of the Spirit that come around alongside and enhance that spiritual gift that you have. And so those all fit together, uh, and I explain all those. So thank you for your text, and I hope you're still listening. 303 is the number for tomorrow because we're running out of time. We're going to be in Bible study tonight, a very special message in Isaiah 55. Now more than ever, we need to be in fellowship. We need to be together. I know it's different. I know it's challenging. 
I know as you're listening around the country, different states and counties have different restrictions, but we are praying. Colorado's numbers have never been better. We're praying for mercy from God, from our governor. He just renewed the mask ordinance again, which is a big bummer, but we'll get over it. We'll wear our masks. We'll worship God. We'll pray. We'll seek the Lord. We'll serve him. We'll be encouraged. We'll be edified. And tonight there's a very special message Isaiah 55, we want to invite you out. Come in person. Come in person, physically. Join us. All that we ask is you RSVP and follow the guidelines. That's it. And uh, it's good. Uh, We're opening children's ministry, not this week, but next week. We're starting in a phased approach. Uh, We are altar calls, and uh, little by little, we're serving our city. Um, What a joy to be able to do that. And uh, go to our website, calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church, and we would love for you to be a part of all that God is doing uh, in in the life of Calvary Chapel. And um, man, what an honor, what an honor to um, be used by the Lord in these last days. Uh, what an what an honor to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us, and I'm such a such it's such a blessing to be a, a part a small part of what God is doing in your life. Um, so may the Lord strengthen you, encourage you, and until tomorrow, same time. See ya. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.